Welcome to the Wing Life Podcast, where we talk about wing foiling and the lifestyles of those who enjoy this great sport. Okay, thanks for joining us. Hey, Tom, how's your day? Good. I did some uh, sanding and some fairing on my boat project today. Finally, didn't rain, so that was fun. Yeah, that's cool. I brought winter wood in. Got that stuff kind of organized. Tom's in Martinique right now. He was living in Montreal, and then him and his wife won a sailboat, and they ended up sailing down there. So they're doing that dream right now, which is pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Pretty amazing. So what we can do, and um, if you wanted to start, you could tell us a little bit about your where you're at. I know you had just said it before, but you could always just repeat where you're at in your kind of winging career. And then um, if you have gear, if you're looking for gear and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I started last year to do some uh, wing skiing uh, on the Ottawa River. And, uh, yeah, I, I saw that on, on Facebook. So, uh, and it, it was really nice to, to do that. And uh, this summer, I didn't have the time to do it. I was away. But uh, next summer, it's my project. Just, just to go back uh, this winter, I, I need to buy a wing for that. And, okay. uh, and uh, yeah, and next summer, I'll do the underwater. Okay. Awesome. So, so you have a wing. No, I don't have a wing. You don't have a wing Nothing. yet? Okay. So you're, um, do you have an idea of which brand you're looking at buying? <laughs> uh, I can decide myself. Uh, I, I look at a similar brand. It's just, yeah, I, what I want is something that can support the winter and the summer. Okay. Um, so, yes. Uh, and something average for the wind. So I don't know. I was thinking about um, uh, four four point two or five. I'm I'm what I'm uh, I'm five foot uh, four something like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, you're, we're not allowed to ask. But how much do you weigh? <laughs> <laughs> In pounds, I have no idea. Um, this is fine. Um, uh, 59. 59. 59. Oh, yeah. I would definitely more towards the four two if you're looking at a one, one wing quiver. Yeah. Uh, but I guess since you're in Ottawa and you're gonna be learning and trying to get up in the summer, then you know maybe a five would work as well. Uh, but five four tall, you should be tall enough to ride a five without really having much issues. If you were a lot shorter, then you might start having some issues. But five four, you should be. Okay. What have you tried so far? I tried a f- on on this on ski. I tried a four two, and I think a five. And but it's dependent on the wind too. Um, I think the ones. Uh, when I was in four two, it was more windy than the first one. Yeah, that makes sense. And do you, do you have any idea which wing you tried? Which model? Oh, I tried uh, F one. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I tried the Stinger, the green one. Okay. Um, but I, I think I didn't love. I I prefer the the F one. 
Mm -hmm. was uh, I don't remember right. Um, it's, it's right. by basically everybody that tries it, especially for a lighter rider, it really does work. For mm. So yeah, so I don't know which brand I better than others, and I don't know the difference between all of that. There's a lot of there's a lot of variability in the brands. F1 is is one of the leading companies I find for um, for entry into the sport, um, for good power, high end and low end power. The handles are well positioned. They're very light. Um, so overall, like that's the wing that I started on, and I think Tom and I even started on some swings, which is the first version of the F1s. That's the first wing that I bought. Um, so you will not go wrong with that company. They're also well-priced. And then so they can resell fairly decently if you do wish to, to try a newer version. Um, and my mom, she has a 4.2 and she was learning on that. So that was a good size. What, how, why Tom was relating to the five meter and sometimes if, if it's a shorter rider, sometimes the wingtips will actually touch the water and it's harder to get it going and it's harder to pump. Yeah. So that's why a smaller wing will be a little bit nicer, um, especially in Ottawa as well, because the winds do go up and down quite a bit. You want something that has good low end power. Yeah. So by low end power, we mean that it, it can pump well, it generates power well, and then it holds the power. So there's other wings that are better on a higher end. So they're not going to be as good for the low end distribution of power. So it means it's harder to learn on. Um, okay. They don't, they don't work as well. Okay, that. and which, which one are those? Well, um, like Ocean Rodeo, they're great wings, but they don't pump, they don't have as much power on the low end. Um, okay. I haven't tried Stinger yet, but a buddy did like them. But, um, what's that sort um, I don't know if I'd say that they have less power necessarily. They have a flatter canopy, which means that um, you do need to pump more dynamically to get power out of them, which yeah. is not all you as a beginner. And that's where Luke is kind of coming mm -hmm. from. Yeah. Give a wing for a beginner. Um, having said that, they do have a very light feeling in your hands, uh, which is nice for a smaller rider, especially if in gusty conditions or, or whatnot. Um, so... You know, I think I think you can make it work with either a flat profile or a deeper profile. You just have to size your wing uh, appropriately to that. So if you're going with kind of a deeper profile wing that has a little bit more low end grunt and basically kind of fills with not that much wind and just starts pulling, then you can go with a bit of a smaller wing. If you're going with a flatter profile wing, uh, you're going to have to get something that's a little bit bigger uh yeah so if you go with the f1 i think the 4.2 could probably be a decent option if you're going with another company that has maybe a bit of a flatter profile you could be looking more at maybe a 4.5 or a 5.0 and that'll you know it'll still have good upper high-end control so you're going to be able to get a good range out of the sail and it's got a bit more surface area so you're able to take off in a little bit of lighter wind as well mm -hmm. What do you think about the, the starboard uh, wing? Have you tried those, Tom? I haven't tried them. I have a good friend of mine that works in a shop in Florida that um, is a very good winger and he also teaches. And he's had a lot of luck uh, teaching people with those wings because they're very, very 
Um, so they have a lot of low end power. They're very stable, very easy. They just kind of pull you along and you pop up on the foil. Uh, they don't pump very well, uh, but because they're so deep and so powerful, you don't really need to pump as much. So from what he, he had a lot of success with those with beginners. Um, I think they have windows, mind you. I'm not sure. There's a couple of versions that have come out. I believe some of them have windows and that's something that you're going to want to look out for um, in winter conditions. So when it, the windows get cold they become a little bit brittle and they can crack when you're folding yeah. them especially if you don't take a very kind of a lot of care to fold them really well so that's something to consider uh if you're thinking about primary usage on the snow at least to begin with maybe a wing without windows would be a good option mm -hmm. yeah we don't really need windows in the interior no no, and they will, a friend of ours had one in Ottawa and, and they, they cracked pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they didn't last too long, but no, I don't think, um, I don't think you ha would have any problems with strike um, whatsoever. It's a beautiful wing um, and they are well-priced and they're excellent beginners. So I, I don't think you would have any problems okay. going there. I ride KT and Tom rides um, on wings. So just different brands so it depends like the kt wings i really like as well the handles are long um they are a little bit heavier but they're very well constructed and i find they flag very well so all the stuff that you'll be doing when you get like after your first season in winging there's certain wings that do that a little bit better than others um but i don't think you'll have any any problems most of the guys that we're all riding in ontario we're all on strikes so yeah yeah. The only thing I will say about the F1 wins is that they are their biggest priority is to have the lightest wing possible. And that means that their construction is maybe not quite as durable as some other. So in a, again, using a, it in a snow application, we kind of tend to think of snow as this like soft kind of nice thing, but it's actually very abrasive. Yeah. And having a little bit of protection on the wing tips can be very helpful. So the mm -hmm. wings uh, in person, I know the on wings have a pretty big Kevlar patch on the edges uh, and they were developed in Quebec, snow kiting uh, being used on snow quite a bit from the first generation. So, you know, it's something to think about. Uh, okay, definitely what was the name? On kiteboarding. Um, so um, full disclosure, I, I work to develop wings with them. So I'm a little bit yeah. biased. Insider trading. What's that, sir? That's an insider trading. Insider trading, yeah. But I do think that it's it's something that, you know, we really try to work on with our wings because it's, as it is, wings are fairly fragile things. Mm. Uh, and the weight is just so important. Like the lighter you can make the thing, the better it works, regardless of how good or bad your design is. If you can make the wing light, it's going to work a lot better. So it's really a balance of using, you know, the best materials that you can find for a reasonable price and then combining that with a decent shape. So I think that F1 has ticked basically all of the boxes possible with all of their models, except for the durability box in my mind. Other than that, fantastic wings. And those wings, like the on, I just checked them out here. Like the the four meter is six seventy five. Sounds good. 
Yeah, so that's the other thing there. I didn't want to do too much of a plug, but <laughs> while we're oh, there, that's fine. The, our, our pricing is, is pretty darn competitive. So it's we're kind of getting into the market. So we're trying to keep pricing low. And we have a new version of the version three soon. So the stock that's left over of the version two is pretty heavily reduced. So yeah, the fours, I think, are, are just under $700. Uh, Canadian, okay. so quite a bit cheaper than the most brands uh, out there. Mm -hmm. Can you put yeah, the link the... of the website on in the chat box? Sure. Yeah, I can do that. For you. Actually, here we can do it quick. We can do a quick share as well. I guess now that we're going to showcase this, we can go over to the wings here on kiteboarding.com. But here, I'll, I'll add the wings. Um, let me see how I can do this. No, you were there. Yeah, there we go. OK, I'll just put it in the chat. OK, so we, let's just take a quick look at the four meter. So how's the leash on these things, Tom? Uh, it's the one thing that I'm not super fond of. <laughs> yeah, as we're working on a new one for the next model, um, I'm actually not entirely sure what leash is supplied with the wings at the moment with the production ones. But okay. there, that's the one thing I'm not super stoked about. Other than that, there's, um, I think in that picture, you can kind of see the Kevlar reinforcement on the front. On the wingtips, you have nice Kevlar reinforcements as well right along the seams. So they're, they're quite solid and you can't really see it in this picture, but on the um, kind of the side of the wing tip, there's also Kevlar reinforcements, which is those kind of black patches. So all of that just kind of works together to, um, you know, protect the most uh, there. You can see it a little better there to protect okay. the most fragile parts of the wing while you know keeping weight down so you can see those patches are very localized and as small as possible so that they do their job without adding too much weight so what's going on with the handles here we got like we got yeah the handle um set up we're actually modifying that for the v3 and we're gonna go with two rigid handles okay uh, which are kind of the the way forward but what's kind of neat about this handle setup is that you have that intermediary handle, which I, I haven't seen on other wings. And that, when you're walking on the beach or flagging the wing, especially in onshore conditions, gives you really, really good control over the wing and keeps the wing flying really well. Um, yeah. Condition, or, you know, going all the way forward to that front handle on the leading edge might not be exactly what you want to do other than that the handles are fairly long so you can move your hands around and do what you want to want to do and we do have the y option um some riders like that i personally don't but um that's also an option there if you if you want to use it sure yeah um one thing to mention though about these wings is that they're they have a relatively flat profile so they do need a bit more of a dynamic pumping to get going. Having said that, the I don't know if you can tell 
from the picture, but the leading edge, so that that inflatable part in the front and the boom, the inflatable part in the middle, are huge. So they're very very stiff, uh, which means that when you do pump, you don't really lose any energy. It just kind of accelerates and you really take off. So um, it's a very it's a wing that rewards pumping really well. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Never uh, hadn't seen too many of them. Hopefully you're you're still following here. And sorry, we're getting a little technical here. It's my, it's my <laughs> we're getting a little yeah, a little techie. But um, so that's an option for you. Um, what I could do is go over to Jesse's site really quick and show you the. Show you the KT wings that I'm riding now, and then we could always answer any questions about the, the strikes as well. Um, these wings are actually, he has a couple here. He has the Duotone units, which are a nice wing as well. The, the 2022s are actually quite nice. They're a bit more expensive, um, but they are, they are quite nice with, with the handles. Um, I, I've flown them this year. The canopy is quite tight and, and they do pump fairly well. It was a big improvement from the first version of the Duotone. Um, let me see here where the other wings are here. The KT handles, which is something that I had to get used to, they're very long. So I wonder if we can see Casey here riding in beautiful Hawaii here. So the KTs have three handles, but that first handle kind of like Tom, like Tom's the on wings, they have the two. So they kind of spread it all the way to the top. So this one has a very long front handle and has a very long back handle. So the nice thing about that is that you can really, I was out in, in 25 knots yesterday or the other, like two days ago in Victoria. And I was able to put my front hand near the leading edge and then bring my back hand forward. And it really decreased the power in the wing really well. So that isn't always a nice option. Um, if you have longer handles or if the hand, or if you have a third handle, like on the on wing, so then you can, you can handle more wind with the same wing. Um, because you're not stuck to a six inch kind of moving around on this one. It's like almost two feet or something. It's a pretty long handle. Mm -hmm. So that's always really nice. Um, and then these ones here, this little center handle that you can see with the little straps there, that one, you can kind of, when you get a little bit more used to it, you can kind of flag out that wing and ride one handed, which is kind of nice as well. So that's always an option too, to get used to stuff. Um, I started doing that a little bit more this year when I was surfing a little bit. Um, so that is one wing that I, well, I ride for them. So I'm on the opposite thing. So it's the same, it's the same thing that will be a little bit, um, but just cause that's the gear we ride. So that's the gear we like, but mm -hmm. hi Marie, can we hear you? No. Well, what you can do, that's okay. What you can do is, is post, post some questions in the group. On, on there and um or what you could do is um did you want to just try to call call me and then we can talk on the phone and we can kind of maybe hear you or if not we could always just post questions on the group and we could always just um answer them for you
So have you decided, Anne, on what kind of board you were thinking of getting? And what kind of- uh, Not at all. Not at all? Okay. You have a lot of options there. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of options for foils and a lot of options for boards. Um, for the last two groups, we kind of asked people what they started with. Yeah, but I haven't started yet, so I don't know. I just okay, I hear what you're saying. I, I mean, sorry, what I meant to say was that we asked them what gear they started with and why they liked it. Mm -hmm. um, so it'll depend on, I guess it depends on a bunch of factors. Depends on how much you want to spend, if you want to find some used gear, if you want to find new gear. Um, if you want your foil to last you a couple years, or if you want to get something cheaper just to see if you like it. Uh, there's a bunch of different factors that tie into to picking the gear. Because um, what I did is I started on a kit that was great, and then I used it for a year and a half, and then I ended up selling and upgrading my foil to the same foil that I'm using now. Um, and then same with the board. I've been through three boards so far in three years. So my first board was 105 liter. I'm 150 pounds. So I used a 105 liter board at the start that was windsurfable and wingable. So it was a combo board. Um, so I used a Wizard 105 and then I switched to a Quattro 80 liter. And then now I'm down to a 72. And Tom's going to tell me I should be riding a 52. But that's okay. Yeah. It's cold up here. <laughs> so that's what I did. Now, Tom, what was your progression on your boards, if you don't mind? Yeah, no problem. So I, I was getting into it uh, when wing boards didn't exist yet. So we didn't really have the option of riding uh, wing specific boards. So you just kind of rode what, what we had. Um, and at that point, uh, I learned on a subfoil board, like a really huge one, uh, 145 liters, seven feet long cutting. And that sounds massive, but it's actually ridiculously easy to learn on because it's super stable. It's long, so it kind of ha it it has really good speed on the water and, and tracks in a straight line really well. So power in the wing is generated into forward motion really easily. And, and that thing just, you know, anybody could get on that and foil. So, you know, if you're... If there's other people around you that are looking to learn how to wing as well, uh, other members of your family or whatnot, um, that could be an option to consider. Having said that, that kind of a board is not going to be a great thing to progress on long term because at a certain point, it's just going to become big and cumbersome, uh, especially as a smaller person. If the board's really long, um, size adds weight as well so a smaller board might just be easier to maneuver to just walk down to the beach get in and out of the water all, all that kind of stuff so i wouldn't necessarily recommend that as you know if only you learn it you want to keep the board for a little while that's not the best move after that um, i played with some windsurf um just windsurf foiling boards kind of like luke did and then i, got, I used some prone surf foiling boards to get onto something a little bit smaller and you know since then wing boards became a possibility so i've been riding those i, I rode the the kt uh i'm riding the kt wing uh, oh sorry the drifter full now which is a prone surfboard prone is uh kind of paddling like a surfboard 
And I have a uh, Wind Drifter 80, which is the same board that Luke was riding the Quattro board. So um, those are really great. Um, probably both are not really boards that you're going to want to be looking at right away because they're a little bit more advanced. So that's the drift pull right there that Luke pulled up. So you can see it's like a really small little board. Um, it's a four eight liters. Um, and then the bigger sizes, you know, you, you start getting into something a little bit more um, easy to ride around 90 liters, 105 liters. Um, having said all that, though, these boards are kind of intermediate to advanced boards. If you don't have any board sport experience at all, uh, which is actually a good question. Do you have any board sport experience? Did you windsurf or kite before this? Do you surf? No. No? Okay. No. Then maybe, um, what is that? What's the option that you saw, Greg? Is that the slingshot something? Yeah, there's a shred sled from slingshot that could be an option. Um, if you're looking at something sand to begin with, uh, there, there was, I think the first generation of JP foil boards i want to say they're around seven feet long they're quite light and they're a little bit narrow uh, and those are really really easy to ride and i'm sure you could find something like that used uh for not too much money because they're kind of not very useful unless you're going to be subfoiling and nobody really subfoils in uh in uh ontario <laughs> or very few people but you can see that they, they have their kind of foil box really far forward and they're fairly narrow and drawn out. And it's kind of the direction a lot of boards are going these days a little bit. Instead of going with that ultra compact shape, if you have a little bit more length like that, it makes it a lot easier when you're learning. Um, oh, probably, I don't remember the, the volume supply heart. Okay, yeah, there we go. Your 7.0 would probably be what you're looking at at your side. Um, that would be a really good option, or even a 126. I, I forget which one. I, I tried one of these um, kind of early on when they were coming out, the 7 or the 7.2. I don't remember which one. I was really impressed with it. I thought that it, it pumped quite well. Uh, it felt a lot smaller than it was in the air. It was really efficient, really easy to use. So, Something in that kind of, if you can find that used and not pay too much money for it, that'd be a fantastic first part. Otherwise, um, Starboard has some really good wing boards uh, that are a little bit longer again and just a little bit more user friendly. So that's that's also another good option. Let me know at any time if this is too much information. I can go on for hours. So. Yeah, we can, we can do this forever. <laughs> Just looking at gear is always fun. So. Let's see what Starboard has on their site here. Yeah. Um, okay, so you have boards, inflatables. Huge. 
boards. All right, where are their boards? Is it the hypernaut or the surf foil? Uh, it's a hyperfoil, which looks a little bit racy. Yeah, I don't know if that's the one you want. Oh, the wind. wind. Maybe yeah. The wind yeah. Is it an inflatable one? Is it what, sir? Inflatable one. Um, I don't, I don't think this is a inflatable actually um i'm personally not a big fan of them i think that there is certain ones that are decent but they're not really a great beginner board because they're not very forgiving when you touch back down on the water and they kind of stick to the water so they make it harder to take off and you're less stable on them as well there's always a little bit of that movement for your feet a little bit of a wobble um and to be able to be stiff enough, they're really, really thick. So they put you up really high above the water with the board less stable as well. Uh, if you can avoid the inflatable boards, I would definitely recommend to do that. Um, yeah, in, in these starboard boards, I think it's the six, seven or something to that effect. That would be the size that you're looking at. Um, yeah, so we have a six, seven, okay, the six, seven, 28 wide. Yeah, sounds like a good, like a great size for somebody who doesn't have any board score experience um, to get into it. Here it is. Okay, so the six, three, five, two. Oh, you so guys are. That six three hundred and fifteen liters is, is probably what you're looking for. Yeah, that would be good actually. This episode is brought to you by the Fit for Surfing program. If you're looking to take your wingfoil skills to the next level and ride those waves like a pro, listen up. Are you tired of watching others make it look effortless while you're struggling to keep up? Well, I have a game changer for you. Introducing the Fit for Surfing program. It's a comprehensive training program designed to transform you into the wingfoil legend you actually are. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced winger, this program is tailored just for you. So why should you consider the Fit for Surfing program? First off, it's not just about hitting the gym or doing random workouts. It's a holistic approach that covers surf-specific exercises, flexibility training, and mental conditioning. This program is being used by pros from around the world that are currently on tour, including our main man, Max Robinson. So to get started, click on the link in the description and use the discount code WINGLIFEPODCAST50 to get an amazing 50% off the first month when you sign up. Your dreams of conquering those waves, lakes, and rivers and becoming a true wingfoiler can become their reality with the Fit for Surfing program. This is your chance to unlock your full surfing potential and join the ranks of those top surfers worldwide like those on tour. So don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. Get ready to wing like you've never winged before with the Fit for Surfing program. Click the link in the description and use the discount code WINGLIFEPODCAST50 to get started today. Yeah.
and then foils range foils range on a lot of it can be cost um and, and that depends on how much you want to spend i, I learned on slingshot and slingshot mm -hmm. design. now i ride armstrong um the armstrong foils are like the cadillac of foils i find so for that especially because i ride in salt water quite a bit now um that it's very very nice that those screws don't ever get sticky they don't oxidize nothing happens which is amazing with the carbon and titanium so that's why i spent a little bit of money and i spent it early and i was like i'm just gonna get a good kit and then i'll forget about it yeah that's one option they are a little bit more but there are some popping up used classifieds um it all depends if you're going to sail primarily ottawa then yeah any kind of foil works and then it, you can come down to how much you want it to weigh and you can get as technical as you want, but you will be able to find some decent foils um, on the classifieds in and around the Ottawa, Toronto kind of area that might be selling for, I think we sold my V1 or a, a, the decent slingshot kit for about a thousand. So it depends on how much you want to spend. Um, okay. Yeah. And what the size uh, are we looking for? Well, let's hop over to centimeters. I'd say square surface area for that front wing for you. Um, that would probably be a good size to, to learn on. And you're, you're going to, once you get more proficient, you're going to want a bit of a smaller front wing, but that bigger wing is going to stay as a good light wind option. Um, for Actually, my buddy in Ottawa is selling, let me see if I can find it here. Um, he is selling a, an aluminum, the Hoverglide, he is selling a 99, which is a pretty big wing, which would be great. What would be a big one to learn on? I just don't know if I can. Yeah, it's a pretty good wing to learn on though. As much as it's big, uh, it's, it's a They're called the Hoverglide system. Let's see if we have the hyperglide here. Then, uh, hmm, okay, we'll go over to Silent Sports and Silent Sports has most stuff. Uh, foiling. Well, kids. The, um, what was the other one? Neoprides were pretty good too, eh, Tom? Like, um, I think Max started writing those at the start and I, I kind of liked them. They weren't too bad. Yeah, ne Neopride had a pretty decent run of foils that were basically copies of the early generation GoFoil. And then they kind of modified and, and went from there. Um, you just have to make sure that it's not the really early um, race foils from them which are pretty distinctive. So uh, you're probably not going to find those anyways because never really worked that well. But the that gener that glide generation of Neil, Neil Pride foils, uh, yeah, is, is quite easy to use. It's a well-made system. There's a bunch of different wing size options. So if you can find that, that would be a good foil and it down for a while. So you could probably get pretty decent prices on it. Um, I, As much as I like the slingshot, hover glide system if you can if you have the money to spend a little bit more and buy a system that you can then kind of keep progressing with i would definitely recommend that you don't necessarily have to go with full carbon 
you know, Armstrong or whatever. Yeah. But just the system that's just, that's a little bit more, um, that gives you a little bit more room to develop. The slingshot system is, I think, great for what it is. If you want to buy a kit that you'll learn on and then maybe sell to somebody else that's a beginner, I think it's a great system. It works well. But you are a little bit limited by just how the foil is built once you improve a little bit. And it's quite heavy. So for a small fighter, it's maybe not necessarily the best option. I think that when Luke and I were learning, it was one of the only good options that wasn't carbon um and options have come up since then that are that are quite good as well so if you're looking at new i would say you know maybe getting a, a bit of a better system like that neil pride system or um axis has some good aluminum foils uh, on actually has a decent aluminum foil but we don't have a uh yeah, we just have a 1700. I heard about the Takuma. Do you think about it? I've never tried it. Um, I've heard very good things about it, and I think that they're a fairly well-designed system. Uh, it's definitely a better, you know, mass fuselage system than those early slingshots, and they have a lot of different wing sizes. So I think that's that's a, a system that would be interesting to look into for sure. That's true. I thought I saw some. Uh, I thought I saw some Armstrong stuff on the. What store do you? Oh, that's a good question as well. Is there a store that you normally buy from? I guess if you're just starting, not yet. No, not yet. Yeah, yeah, we're just looking uh, online. Okay. Yeah. Um. Here, let me let me just quickly scroll here for you because. I thought I saw something. The only thing about this classifieds is that it doesn't allow you to um, to search very well. I may have to go grab my charger. My laptop's starting to get down, but let me see if I can quickly find something. He was some, so that's no good. I guess it might be Tom, uh, a friend of ours, Thomas in Ottawa. He has an access foil that he likes. That could always be something that you could look at to see if you like them. Um, Brian's in the Saab foils. A lot of friends do ride Saab and they like them. Yeah, that's a really good setup. There, it's basically um, the earlier design of Saab foil was called Moses, and those wings were very, very different the earlier generation slingshot wings, but on a considerably better mass than fuselage. So, that's that's a good system to look at for sure. And I actually know the guy posting on there, Andre, uh, personally, and he's a good guy. So if I don't know what size foil it is that he's selling, but that could be a decent option for you to, to consider. Oh, if you want a small KT board, I'm selling. <laughs> That's mine. Uh, let me see here. I found uh, it was a full Armstrong kit, but it was a little bit small. It was a 1250. Um, something bigger would be nice, but that was selling for two grand used. So it depends on if they would be willing to sell it without that front wing. Here, I'll show it to you. It depends on, uh, do you have a ballpark of what you'd like to spend? No, not really. I just, okay. I, have a, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> so 
if you want to do whatever you want, um, like this could always be 60 yeah. use 72 mass type condition. So if you had like a bigger, obviously this would be going Cadillac from the start, but if he was willing to sell this kit without that wing, get a bigger wing, that could be an excellent start. Or if you wanted to spend a bit more, you could start with this and just buy a bigger wing separate, but that would be probably close to three grand. But um, it's a 60 fuse, you got a good, I think he's even selling two tails now. Yeah. So that, that, I think the biggest benefit that you get out of buying a four like that is the weight because mm -hmm. compared to a solid aluminum, like a well-made aluminum system, you're maybe not at half the weight, but you're not far. So it's, it's a really big difference in weight. Um, but it is also double the price, you know? So, yeah. yeah. I do think that if you're, as, as you look at kind of, you know, wings and boards and four, all that kind of stuff, it, you can very quickly spend quite a bit of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you're looking at, you know, where's the, the best idea to invest money from the beginning, uh, I would say the foil is probably what you want to, Uh, what is the difference uh, between HA and HS? The high speed and the... Um, oh, wow. Um, is that just high aspect versus medium or lower aspect, Tom? So HS is also high aspect? Um, on, the, on the Armstrongs? Yeah. Let me see here. They have gone to a little bit more higher aspects, so wider and narrower. Um, but HS looks like a more medium aspect. I think it depends on which version you're looking at. I'm Let's just say gonna... HS uh, 1050. The HS 1050. Yeah. Uh, I would have to go on their site. Okay, I can maybe go on their or site. Or this one, HS uh, 1250. With Armstrong, what's a little bit confusing with Armstrong is that they have, um, they don't come out with, or they didn't come out with full wing line all at the same time they came out with two or three sizes at a time and so and their earlier wings like this hs 1250 for example um it's it's a little bit hard to tell where that wing kind of fits in because this generation of hs that you're looking at is kind of in that mid mid aspect ratio a little bit mid high aspect ratio um and other hs wings can be mid low aspect ratio so anyways, there, it can get a little bit confusing. The bottom line is that you don't want to get really thick, low aspect foil, and you don't want to get a really thin, high aspect foil either. You want something around that middle range. Uh, that's kind of the most versatile, most easy to use when you're starting. Uh, there's a lot of talk about high aspect foils right now, and I think for what you're for your concerns, at least for the first year or two, that's not something you should really consider. But if you're getting a um, if you're getting a, a foil and you're thinking about the future a little bit more, then having a, a system like Armstrong or like Sab that we were looking at before, it just gives you a lot of options later on. So you can get those higher aspect ones later if you want to, or, or not.
Hopefully that makes sense. Yep, makes sense. Do you recommend any brand for like a medium aspect? Um, honestly, I think that there's a lot of, of good stuff out there today. If you're looking at new gear, most of it is, is fairly easy to learn on. Most of it is fairly decent. Um, if you're looking at used stuff, earlier generation used stuff, um, we were talking about the uh, earlier generation Neil Pride stuff, which was pretty good. Um, the Slingshot Hover Glide system, which was pretty good. Um, you know, if you want to spend a little bit more money on it, there's Carbon, there's, there's uh, Armstrong, which is fantastic, but expensive. There's also Lift, the, uh, which is a carbon foil again, but a little bit more affordable. So if you can find some of those, those are a good option. Um, I rode the Fanatics this year for the first time. I was teaching on these ones. Um, they were okay. Like they, they, they certainly, they were slow, but my uh, students like them. Yeah, they're not bad. They're very heavy. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're solid. Like they're, they're well built. That That's true. The, the Fanatic uh, Aero series is, is quite, it works well. It's a good system. Um, yeah, I do honest. love the weight of the Armstrong, though. The weight of the Armstrong is unbelievable. Um, how light they are and how well they glide. Um, actually, one of the a, a buddy of mine that was on a lake on northern Vancouver Island this summer, he had a first generation Stinger foil, which was same with all the first generations. But he hopped on that one, and I tried that one, and I had a really hard time getting it going because it was so slow good for what it was he learned really well on it but um but to, to swap over obviously if you're gonna if you're buying a cadillac you get all the cadillac traits right but have you ever tried the reading uh, flight attendant um, i have it no just uh, pretty new eh, in the market yeah I, it's it, i haven't tried it either i personally wouldn't buy that foil um the reason why is that it reading is not a foil company um what i'm trying to say by that is that reading makes kites and they make wings and they make all kinds of stuff um, if you're looking at a new foil i would look at something that's made by a company that's making only foils or at least foils for a while the reason being is that they'll have a a well-established mass and fuselage system. And so in the future, when you want a smaller wing or you want a higher aspect wing or another wing altogether for the foil, um, you won't have to buy a full setup. You can just buy that front one as opposed mm -hmm. to changing the whole kit. So I'd be wary of companies that, uh, like Reading, for example, only have one size wing or two sizes of wings. And are not really, um, you know, not really focused on making only foils. Unless you're looking at kind of an entry, you know, first foil, you're okay with selling it as a full kit, maybe with a really beginner board in a year or two and buying something else after that. At that point, sure, that becomes more of a legitimate option.
This one for 2100 is not bad. Like the, the one that we were looking at for Armstrong here, like he's selling two tails. Like this tail is about $300 new. He's selling this tail, which is what I learned on is 150 pounds. It was a, it's a 23.2, 232. Uh, you are getting, is this the V2 fuse and everything or is it the V1? Oh, that's the V1. V1, okay. So it's V1, which is the same that I have. Which yeah. to be honest, the extra screws will never matter for me. <laughs> um, so if you're riding the bigger high aspect wings, and especially if you want to jump it, or if you're a heavier rider, then yeah, potentially. But yeah. even the V1 mass system like that is more solid than basically any other foil on the market. So <laughs> not not too concerned about that. Where are they? Oh, they're in Quebec. Okay. So that is that option for not too Price. Uh, and uh, Armstrong uh, full kit is uh, comparable, backward compatible, right? V1 or V2, whatever. What's uh, oh compatible? Yeah, yeah. I, I tried. Um, I tried the V2 1550 on my V1, and it was fine. I think I also tried the 925 this summer, and it was fine as well. I think they are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're okay. Fully so let's say I buy a, a, like a V1 fuselage. And then a year later, I buy V2 front wing and the back wing, uh, the staff. It's going to be, they're going to be compatible, right? With the old fuselage. Yes, they are. The, is kind of the first ones that jumped on this concept where they basically develop their mast and fuselage before developing their foils. Um, and the idea was that if you make a good mast and a good fuselage with good connections, they won't need to upgrade that system in the future. And at that point, um, you can, you know, invest a little bit more in a good mass and a good fuselage and just keep upgrading the wings as, as that technology evolves. Uh, and to keep with that mantra and to keep with that kind of, uh, you know, idea of not having to change anything, uh, the V2 stuff is still completely backwards compatible with the V1. Um, no problem at all. GoFoil, which we kind of went over, Luke kind of scrolled over there, uh, also is all kind of forward and backwards compatible, which is really nice. And that's a good system. What is the main difference between V1 and V2? So the V2 Armstrong stuff um, has extra bolts basically to kind of stabilize the mass to fuselage connection and the front wing to fuselage connection uh, and the idea was that if you're a bigger rider and you're riding higher aspect wings which have a much higher force on them or they apply a much bigger force on the whole system than these earlier generation medium to lower aspect wings did then they just wanted to stabilize that joint a little bit um, even more. Again, if you're not a huge rider riding huge wings or not really, really pushing jumping and stuff like that, this is a totally fine setup as the V1. And I'd go as far as saying is it's a better setup as the V1 than most systems out there today. So... I wouldn't worry about that at all, especially as a first. 
where are you in your progression, Brian? Uh, I started with the Gong setup. Uh, I okay. started with a high, uh, a low aspect, and I just upgraded to medium aspect. I'm riding a 1500 uh, square centimeters front wing, and I really enjoy it. And uh, maybe next year I will get a high aspect, high aspect, like a 900 square centimeters. Okay. Yeah. For now, uh, 1500 is a great for me. Yeah, I, I think that it's don't don't rush into getting into those high aspect wings uh, necessarily. I think it depends on what you enjoy when you're winging. Um, not necessarily everybody enjoys the feeling of a high aspect wing. You don't have to go in that direction. It's not that you know all the good riders are going to high aspect wings and that's the natural progression. I think that there's different styles of riding and right. you know aspect wings are very popular right now because they're new and they're allowing you to do things that you couldn't do on medium aspect and lower aspect wings but they're not necessarily better you know it just looks cool huh? when people uh, carry their board with a high aspect it looks wow that's amazing i want to do the same <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely the cool factor uh, yeah about it but i think Realistically speaking, um, you know, a lot of people end up buying gear that's too advanced for them or they buy it based on, you know, what they think they should be riding as opposed to, you know, realistically what their level is at. And to be, you know, totally honest, you're going to have a lot more fun if you kind of buy something that fits your level. Um, I'll give you an example. I'm riding the CF. 1200 as my main foil um from armstrong and the cf series is kind of like their entry level easiest foil to ride and yet i've been riding that for two years and i absolutely love it and i enjoy it more than a lot of the newer foils that i've tried so it's not necessarily because it's new um and you know trendy that it's going to work better for you that's a good point, Tom. I've, I've started riding in the 1550 first version of Armstrong, and I've tried the V2. I've tried the higher aspect 925 or 950, and I love the first version 1550. It gets me up in next to no wind, um, and it still performs because I'm running a one foil quiver right now. I haven't purchased any other front wings, and for what I'm doing, it's perfect. Like I rode the smaller foil. Um, I needed more speed to get up, I, so I, I lost some low end on it. It did, it did fly very, very well. It glid, and it was gliding very, very well. But I was still pretty happy with my first version. <laughs> so you don't necessarily need, uh, as Tom said, to go in and get the newest and brightest. Um, I'm, I was, I love the surf capability of that foil, and and so far I'm still riding it. Um, I've tried the V2 just to see, and I found it was a little bit wider, so it did not turn as quickly um, for that bigger foil. So I, I preferred mine. So yeah, that's a good point. Uh, my, I'm going to chop my my tail though in the 232. I'm going to chop it down a little bit, so I'll turn a little bit better. But the rest of it, I'm happy. That's a very good point. Uh, I, I've been riding it with the low aspect, the 2100 square centimeters. Okay. And also tag, I was doing the tag and uh, carve very easily. And I switched it to low, medium aspect, the 1500. 
I take much less than uh, my old one. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not used to it yet, but I don't know. It's it much easier time. with low aspect. See, I found the opposite because I was so used to riding a, a medium aspect that turned on the dime. It's like riding a Civic versus riding a, a bigger bus. So mm -hmm. I had a hard time even on the school foil this summer when I took it out because my body went to turn and then my foil didn't turn. <laughs> so like I would fall off the side. Oh, I was right. Like, oh, right. I can't turn this thing. So I had to initiate the turn. And it's like, OK, it's like you're riding a big jet. So. If you're used to that, then yes, the 1550 medium will turn a lot faster. So then as soon as you initiate your turn, your board will turn and that will be harder at the start, 100%. Because I bought the medium aspect with a long, uh, like 95 centimeters length. Okay. Maybe that's the reason I cannot uh, turn as fast as my low aspect. Yeah, there's, I, there's I a shorter that, version um, and there's a longer version, and I got the longer version. Okay. Just to make sure I can take off uh, faster. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the reason I cannot take I think that the easier as the other one. There's a lot of different parameters to wing design uh, apart from just the aspect ratio, and I think looking at it as just you know high aspect, medium aspect, low aspect. Uh, is a little bit of an oversimplification realistically of the situation. But, you know, if you want to, if you're kind of thinking about how well does this, is this going to turn and, and all of that, I think the wingspan is a, is a better indication generally speaking than the aspect ratio or even the surface of the wing. So if you're, I'm just going to throw out a number, let's say your lower aspect ratio wing that was, um, say 2,000 square centimeters and it was 90 centimeters wide, for example. Yeah. yeah. If you go with something that's 1,500 square centimeters but is a meter wide, then it's not necessarily going to turn even better and it might actually be less turning than your bigger wing that, you know, you thought, well, if you downsize, you're going to get more turning, more reactive. So not necessarily... But anyways, all to say, um, I think I, I didn't catch what foil system you're on right now. Is it, Are you still on the Gong system? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Gong has a huge amount of front wings and tail wings and fuselage lengths and stuff like that. And there's a lot that you can do if you want to, if you like, you know, the glide and the speed of that higher or medium aspect 1500, but you want it to turn a little bit better. You can change the tailwind, for example, um, to a smaller tailwind, and it's going to make it faster, and it's going to make it more turny. Or you can shorten the fuselage, and it's going to make the, whole, the setup a lot more reactive. There's actually a lot of fine-tuning that can be done to accomplish the feel that you're looking for. But the, with smaller, the foil, especially hey, smaller step gives uh, less uh, stability. Yeah, so the way that it generally works is the longer the fuselage, the slower everything happens. Um, and it really stabilizes uh, the altitude control, so the up and down. If you have a long fuselage, then it's going to be very stable up and down. And all 
kind of banking and turning is going to be slowed down. So you're going to have a delayed reaction on everything. If you have a short fuselage, everything becomes a lot more lively. Everything happens faster. And the up and down stability is going to be less easy to maintain. The tail wing has a similar relationship where basically the bigger it is, the more it stabilizes everything. So everything happens slower. It also has more drag. So you're going to be moving slower as well. And it's going to stabilize a lot the roll. So the left and right kind of uh, motion that the foil can do. So if you feel like, for example, you're on a foil that's very stable in, in roll, so left and right, and you want it to be able to turn more and bank more, then getting a smaller tail wing is going to be able to, uh, is going to allow you to kind of roll that foil over and, and bank it harder without losing a lot of uh, up and down stability. If you find that your foil is very, very stable up and down, uh, and it's but it's not that stable in, in terms of roll left and right, then you can shorten the fuselage and you gain more reactivity without losing more stability left and right, if that makes sense. So small, smaller step, you can drive faster and control better, right? Than uh, a bigger one. Does it make sense? So the smaller tail wing, well, what I've found so far is it does allow you to turn. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. A little mm -hmm. faster. That's on the Armstrong at least. Like I tried the, the cutaway version and it did turn a little bit. Uh, sorry, my reception is really, really bad. Uh, you guys kind of cut up. Would you mind repeating that? He just asked whether or not, like, if you're going to change, is the tail wing the easiest thing to change to be able to turn a bit faster laterally? Um, yeah, probably. That's probably going to be the easiest uh, thing to change first. And then if you change it and you find that it's not... Uh, it's not doing enough that you're not turning as much as you want to be turning still, then you can also shorten the fuselage. The other thing that you can also do is shim the tail differently. I don't know if you've played with this uh, or not, but basically more neutral the tail angle is, the less the tail has an effect on the front wing and the less it stabilizes the foil. So if you shim your tail, so that it has a more neutral angle. By neutral, I mean more parallel to the fuselage. Then you're going to have a faster foil that's more reactive uh, without even changing your tail. And changing the trim angle of that rear wing by one degree is going to make a huge difference already on the ride. So that's, that's really the easiest thing that you can do and the least expensive. And then after that, it's the tail wing. And after that, it's the flashlight. So you're saying from like a zero degree to a one degree will make it a bit more loose, a little faster and all that. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, one thing that's worth mentioning is that 
every company except for Armstrong, and I have no idea why they do this. Um, but basically, Armstrong, Armstrong's plus one, for example, plus one degree or plus two degrees is actually a minus one degree or minus two degrees, which makes absolutely no sense. I've heard the owner of the company try to explain it a few times. It makes no sense. They should just change the way that they do their annotation because every other company, when you have a plus one or a minus one, it's, it adds more tilt or reduces tilt. So you're adding more degrees or removing more degrees. Um, whereas Armstrong, it's the opposite. It makes absolutely no sense. But anyways, all to say, um, removing a degree or adding a degree, either way, it makes a huge difference on how the foil rides. And that's regardless of what company you're riding, uh, what foil you're riding, what tailwind you're on. It really does make a huge difference. So how, definitely. How do you add and remove the degree? Can you do it or you have to buy, purchase a new step? So uh, I'm not familiar with the gong system. I don't know which one that you have. If I'm not mistaken, it has two screws on the tailwind, right? Let me see if I can find. Um, do you know what? Uh, which which one you have, Brian? I got fluid the uh, fluid the uh, XRT. You have to go. If taken, you have your st your stabilizer has two screws holding it down, and the stabilizer is on top of the fuselage, right? That's right. Okay, so if you want the foil to be more reactive and faster, yeah. what you can do is you can put a small shim, oh, like it's curved, it's not the thick, like the thickness of a credit card, for example, or something like that, under the front screw of of the tailwind. Okay. Well, lost there. Um. Okay, so is it okay? So here's do they have shims on the gongs? I don't know if they have them or not, but basically, the idea is that you're you're adding thickness either in the oh no, you can't shim that, you can't shim it in one piece that, that foil, you can't shim, but I think okay, that they have screws that hold the actual wing onto the fuselage. If your foil, uh, if your tailwing kind of slides onto the fuselage and then is locked in place by two screws like the one that Luke just showed in the picture you can't shim that there's okay. no shimming happening there if two your tailwing put on, on top of the is it a one piece is it a one piece Brian is that the tail that you have uh yeah tail is one piece yeah okay yeah you can't here I'll show you um I don't know if we have the shims, if they have the shims on their website here. Yeah, they do. Yeah? Yeah. But um, I, I, it, it really, most companies, the way that they mount their their wings, or their tail wings onto the fuselage is just two screws through the actual wing itself. And the wing is sitting on top or underneath the fuselage. And the screws go through it to, to the fuselage. Um, and if that's the case, then you can add a little washer or a little piece of credit card or anything um, to just give you a little bit of a gap between the uh, 
the fuselage and the and the tail wing, either in the front or the back, and that changes the angle of attack of that wing. Mm. And I, I thought that the gong has like that as well. Maybe they maybe it's just a different system than the one that you have. And by doing this, you're not going to damage the, uh, the foil, huh? No, not at all. No, no, no. There, there's no problem in doing that. Um, just keep in mind that, again, one degree or even half a degree makes a lot of, of difference. So don't add a shim that's three millimeters thick, you know? Like, you, you want something that's maybe half a millimeter to a millimeter, not even, even a millimeter is a lot. So, you know, really, really small increments. Um, and as long as you do that, you're, you still have lots of screw going into the fuselage and you're not going to have any issues. If you tried to add like a half an inch or something like that, yeah, you're going to have a problem. That help a little bit, Brian? Yeah, that helps. Cool. Well, for, the for the mast. I was writing the 65 centimeters and, and I upgraded to 90 centimeters and I found it's much easier to glide. I can, go up, I can go up and down really a lot. With a shorter mast, I, uh, sometimes I wipe out the easily because of the uh, big waves. Or when yeah, I- Yeah, for, for but, sure. Uh, long mast, yeah. I found that it's a really, uh, uh, more uh, Definitely. So I think that the you're kind of at the two ends of the spectrum with the 65 being very short and the 90 being fairly long. Um, yeah. I think that around 80 is probably a really good middle ground that's still fairly turny uh, without being, you know, super short, which makes it less easy to ride as you found. So basically, the longer the mast is, the more margin for error you have. And mm. the shorter it is, the more direct the foil feels and the more reactive and turny it feels. Um, I, I have both a 72 and an 83 mast. I, the vast majority of the time I ride the 72 just because I prefer how it feels. But it definitely gives you a lot less margin for error than mm. the 83 that you can fly a little bit higher. The foil can be a little bit deeper underwater and you just have more margin for error. Right. I actually, in the beginning, I made a mistake when I placed an order. I uh, purchased the surf foil, which is 65 centimeters. And then later, yes. and then later I ordered just a mast, 90 centimeters. <laughs> yeah. That's fair to say. Yeah, it's, it's tricky, especially with, you know, systems like gong that have so many different options um on one end it's a really good thing because you can play around you can buy different wings you can try all kinds of different stuff without having to change the, the whole foil system mm. uh, but on the other hand it's you know hard when you're when you're starting especially with an online company like gong where you have a little bit less customer support or maybe a little bit less direction when you're looking at stuff initially um, so it can be definitely hard to know what should I be buying out of these 15 different wing and 20 different mast options. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but circling back to your, 
you know, reading foil question, I think coming off of a system like Gone, um, which is a fairly decent entry to middle level foil with a lot of different options and wings and stuff like that, I really don't see the interest in going to reading. I think if you're going to change companies or change foil system, go with a full carbon system that's a you know out of a reputable company that's really developing a lot uh and there's a number of those but definitely go with a company that's been at it for a while and is going to be developing because the next kind of mass fuselage system that you invest into you're probably going to keep for quite a while mm. yeah. i so, found armstrong is uh, overpriced for what you get. I'm sure it's the, like a top quality. I completely disagree actually. I think that it's it's actually, if you're looking at a, at a high-end carbon foil, it's basically the same price as everything else. And it's a much, much, much better construction. Um, it's, they've put a lot more attention into choice of materials so that they don't corrode and they don't use over time. Their connections are better made than, than other companies. and and their wings are better built. Um, you know, they're really solid, really light, and they come out to about the same price as any other high-end carbon foil, which is not cheap. We're definitely on the same page there. It's not a cheap foil. But I think in terms of, you know, over or underpriced, I don't find it overpriced at all. I think that it's what a high-quality carbon foil costs, and it's kind of the best system on the market in my opinion mm. yeah and i'm just by the way i'm not i i paid for my armstrong foil i i'm not sponsored by them or anything like that <laughs> i paid for mine too 2500 yeah yeah, yeah. There, more. there is that foil on the classifieds for 21 which is a pretty decent it's a pretty decent price for what you're getting yeah and actually at, at the level that you're at brian uh, you didn't really say what how much you weigh but that 1250 uh hs wing is super super versatile that's a kind of a one wing quiver that works really well um the 72 mass is maybe a tiny bit short but definitely doable and it has two tail wings so you can kind of play around with it and and um yeah that's actually pretty good a pretty good deal it could be interesting for you okay he's asking 2100 huh it's yeah. the, um, here, I'll try to find it on here for you. It's on the, it's on the classifieds, I think. It's yeah, I'm uh, looking at it there. Okay. How much did you weigh? Far like? from me, so. Yeah, he's, about, he's pretty far in Quebec. Unless, you, unless they come out to Sandbanks or anything this fall. Um, we'll have to see if they ever come out. But I, I thought there was one more Armstrong for sale. You could check out the Armstrong. There's an Armstrong foil group as well, right, Tom? I've seen Armstrong yeah, on, on Facebook, and there's there's a ton of stuff for sale on there. A lot yeah. of people are shipping to the V2 stuff or have been, so there's a lot of V1 stuff for sale. Um, how much do you weigh, though, Brian? I weigh uh, 140 pounds, 64 kilos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that 1250 would be kind of like a, easily a one-wing quiver for you. Um, no problem. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you, this you, is the HA nine twenty five. So this is a high aspect, right? Mm hmm. I tried this on this spring. It, I I just 
a buddy of mine had it and I wanted to see if I get the wingtips out and continue on my curve and, I'm, and my turn. And obviously you can, um, cause the medium aspect, if I get the tip out of the water, I fall, but, um, it was a super nice wing. I did like it. I just didn't like the fact that I had to go faster to get going. And I do love the, the slow stall speed of my 15. I just love the fact that I could chug along at like four knots and not fall off foil. Um, but this thing was awesome. It was super fun. Uh, I, I just needed to spend more time on it. That's all. I think that Armstrong's high aspect wings are a little bit more advanced than a lot of the other higher aspect wings out there on the market today, um, which means not necessarily that they're better, uh, just that they're harder to ride. And so I wouldn't, if you're looking at an Armstrong and you're thinking about, you know, like what wings am I looking at? In Armstrong specifically, I don't think that I would recommend the higher aspect wings. Uh, wait till the second generation high aspect wings come out. They're going to be easier to ride and, and they'll be probably at that point you'll be ready for it. They were super tricky. I've been riding for three years, so I was able to kind of get up and it was almost like a bit of a bucking Bronco at the start. And then I got it figured out, but um, it, it, it's definitely a lot more technical to ride. You got to have more speed. It, it is twitchy. Um, you're up and down is twitchy. The board slaps back down in the water if you're not going fast enough. Um, but it was super fun when I was riding, but it was definitely, it was definitely a lot more technical. Agreed. Yeah. There are, there are some higher aspect wings that are not that hard to ride though. Um, you know, like Axis, for example, has their ART wings and, um, even their, you know, uh, BSC and all that stuff. They're not high aspect, but they're fairly high aspect. And those wings are way, way, way easier to ride. So, you know, there, there are options out there that are higher aspect and easy to ride. But I think if you like that kind of turny, surfy feeling, you're going to have a hard time finding stuff that's much better than, than Armstrong. Um, if you're looking for something a little bit less expensive, though, because they are expensive, uh, I think GoFoil could be something to look at. If you can find something used GoFoil, that, that could be interesting. They're mm -hmm. a little bit harder to come by in Canada, especially, but that could be an option. And the other one is Lyft. Lyft is a company out of Puerto Rico that um, makes some really good foils. And those are really good bang for your buck. And they work quite well. Yeah, Lyft is quite big in Quebec too. Yeah, it's uh, 30 knots as uh, Alain has pushed them hard and for a while and for good reason. I mean, they're, they're good foils and they're cheap and yeah. yeah. Or they are quite popular for Kaifoil. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think that they initially when they came out, they were almost the same price as a high-end aluminum, but full carbon and light and well-built and good foils. So it was kind of a no-brainer. Mm. Yeah. But having said that, I do still think that the Armstrong fuselage and mast are a better system than, than the lift. They're stiffer. They're going to last longer. You know, that's why I was saying before that I, I don't find that it's overpriced. I think it's just a different product that comes with the price that it comes with because it's what it is. You know? Okay. So the guys are selling uh, HS-1250 with the two-step fuselage and mast. 
for 1200 is a good deal you found uh i don't i'm not sure i haven't been in canada for a little bit so i don't know what the retail rate uh prices are now uh with covid and inflation and all that fun stuff i honestly don't know what retail is generally speaking used armstrong stuff if it's in good shape will be at minus 25 to 40 percent from from retail so if it's in that 25 to 40 percent off of retail and it's in decent shape then yeah that's that sounds fair but uh, at the Kai Force, the same setup, they're selling for like 3500 So Silent Sports here in Toronto on the screen, you got the HS1250 with an 85 math. Um, it's, it's three grand. Oh, but he's adding a two stab. Huh? He's adding yeah, the two stab is 300 bucks, right? Yeah, it's about 300, I think, for a, a few, uh, for a, um, yeah. a stabilizer. So yeah, that, that sounds to me like it's about you know, 30, 35% off. That, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. You want to know. Yeah. That would actually be a pretty decent, pretty decent setup. Cause you're looking at this three grand plus tax. It'd be 3,300 plus tax for it new. Yeah. And normally silence, their prices are normally pretty good. So you're looking at what's 33. Yeah. Plus. They're pretty cheap usually. Yeah. Cause they, they get, they buy so much in bulk. Um, so you'll be yeah. looking at like $3,700 for that kit. So, um, sixteen hundred bucks off is pretty decent. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You do you do need to see that it's in you know decent shape, obviously. Yes, but um, I, you know, I, I've mistreated my setup, quite a bit and it's going strong. So I, I have a lot of confidence in those in that system. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I guess you've hit a few corals few reefs yeah uh the, the only thing that i will say is that the the 72 mast is maybe a little bit short yeah um, that's my concern i'm not sure I'm, where you're riding and kind of what you're doing but the 72 mast is not super long it's going to be I'm easier so, than the 65 but it's not super i'm long. so used to riding with a 90 centimeters to mast So 72 would be very short. Yeah. I think that it, regardless of what you get, there's going to be an adaptation period. Um, mm -hmm. Even if you get the same length mass, if you change a foil, like it's there, each foil is so unique that there will be an ad adaptation period and you'll figure it out regardless of what you get. Um, but definitely count on there being an adaptation period regardless of what you get. Having said that, um, if we're staying within the Armstrong ecosystem, let's say uh, the 83, I think would be a better choice for you. Uh, yeah. Which one? 83? Mast. 83? What is 83? 83 centimeter mast, or maybe oh. 82. I forget okay. which, 83. Whichever one it is, but either 82 or 83 centimeters, I think that's their medium sized mast. And that's, that's kind of the all arounder. I think that's what Luke has as well. Mm, yeah, I think it's 83 or 85 or something. And it's, uh, I like it. I've ridden the 72 and I, um, it just gives me, it gives you a little bit more room to play, especially when you're getting out into stuff that has a bit bigger chop or you're just falling less at the start. Um, so it, it, it is a little bit more forgiving. 
Yeah, yeah, you definitely have more margin for error. I mean, I, as I said earlier, I have both. Um, I do ride both. I prefer the 72 because it's, I find it more fun. It's more turny and more direct, but it's definitely, you know, if I'm in conditions where it's a little bit tricky or really big waves and I'm trying to, you know, keep things under control more than make things more interesting then the 83 is definitely what I'll use. And it sounds to me like you're more in that part of your progression right now and making things easier uh, more than let's make it more interesting. Gives you a bit of food for thought there, Brian. Pardon me? I said it gives you a bit of food for thought. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to it, though, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. Eh? Yeah. What kind of board are you guys are using now? Um, here, I guess I can show you. Um, we're, both riding K we're both riding KTs, I think. Eh? Oh, KTs. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's from Maui, KT? They are. Yeah. They're, they're awesome. Um, yeah, Keith, Keith, I think, is in anything wave-related, he's about as good as it gets. In yes, Quebec, yeah. there's no distributor for KT. Yeah, yeah of course. Absolutely. Yeah. So I ride for Dirty Mermaid Water Sports on Vancouver Island. So we ship across Canada. Oh, yeah. Ship my buddy aboard in Ottawa. He got the 105 liter. Um, and I know, I think the we did a little bit better than this price for him but i am well i'm selling this i'm writing this one the 72 liter this year i switched from an 80 last year and i just love that board it's it's unbelievable it's so light it's um the deck is quite nice uh, i was very very impressed with with the with the board and the construction of it so no complaints there from my end okay have you ever it's tried fun. the Armstrong board? I did. I tried the 60 liter Armstrong. I, I preferred the KT. Um, I think the KT was a little bit wider and a little bit shorter. Okay. Um, some guys are liking the narrower and a little bit longer. For, for me, I, I don't mind having the, the, the little wider or whatever. Um, it was still a beautiful board. Don't get me wrong. Like, but I, I think I was just biased to my own setup because I was just used to it. Um, but they are a little bit more expensive. I think the Armstrong, but they're both beautiful. Uh, yeah. What board are you riding now, Brian? I used to ride the a nice board, 90, 90 liter, and then I switched to uh, inflatable, uh, Gong, 70 liter. And I'm thinking of uh, downgrade to maybe 45 liter. And I'm looking into Armstrong uh, surfboard, wing surfboard. Okay. Yeah, I think 45 liter is a really good volume for somebody your size as a uh, first small board. Mm -hmm. uh, I would not downsize for that board until you're at the point where you're making basically every transition on the foil. If you're not at that point yet, then I wouldn't recommend to downsize the board. Stay with something that's bigger and more floaty because you're you're just going to spend so much time getting back on the board and taking off and so much more energy than you would on a bigger board that it's just not worth it. If you're at the point where you're making basically all your transitions on the foil confidently, um, at that point, getting to something around 45 liters uh, for your weight would be fantastic. 
uh, it'll not really take that much more wind to get going than a bit of a bigger board that you're used to riding. And it's going to be a massive difference in feel up in the air. Right. I'm uh, right now I'm at the, doing the transition and the right on toe side and heel side. But uh, I tried uh, my friend's board, the right engine, 45 liter. I wasn't uh, for only one time. I wasn't able to get up on the forward and going. But the next session, if I try again, I, I, I'm pretty sure I will go, uh, go get going on the forward. Yeah, I think there's definitely a learning curve with these smaller boards. Um, and when the first times you try it, you want a lot of wind. You want like, you know, right. minimum 18 to 20 knots, well powered on on like a four, four, five, you know, lots of power. Mm -hmm. And once you get up and you start riding, you're, you'll get kind of, you'll figure things out. You'll figure out where the balance point is. You'll figure out, you know, how to knee start and all that kind of stuff. But you really want to be powered up the first, you know, five sessions, I'd say at least. Right. And at that point, you'll figure out the board. And after that, I, you know, really firmly believe that you're going to ride basically only that board uh, the second that there's more than, you know, 13, 14 knots. Uh, because the, you end up flying basically at the same time as a board that's that's bigger. But it's so much easier once you're up in the air. Uh, it's so much easier to maneuver the board. I, I find that I fall way less on my small board than I do on the big board. And it's so much easier to pump. But it does take more energy to pop up on the foil for sure. Uh, especially if you're not used to kind of the balance of the board and all that kind of stuff. And it is smaller. So it's a little bit trickier to get up on. So you do need to get used to that. So I'm thinking just to keep, to keep my 70 liter board and buying a small board for, uh, with a, a strong wind. Yeah, I think that that'll probably be your um, kind of first step. So between 70 and 45, that's a really good jump. They, you know, that's a worthwhile thing to do. I think that if you told me that you wanted to buy a 60 or a 55, I'd, I'd, I'd tell you, yeah, not that great of a, of a call. But mm -hmm. 45 to 70, that's, that's fantastic. And uh, those are complementary boards. So in the future, once you get more proficient, I do think that you're going to be riding that 45 basically all the time. And, and the 70 will still be a good option for super light winds or really, you know, fluky and you want to get out on an offshore wind or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's a, that makes a really good quiver and don't, don't sell that just yet because you'll still be using it. So, uh... I have a dilemma right now. I'm just shopping around what kind of board I need. And I cannot really try. There's so many options out there. There's a Fanatic, yeah. uh, Skysurf, there's an Armstrong surfboard, and there's a North Seek, and there's a Slingshot, yeah. there's a Ride Engine. There's so many options. I don't know what to choose. There, There is a ton of options. I think that um, something that could help you narrow down your search is to target in on a volume that is going to work for you, which I think you've already done around that, you know, 45 liters, I think is a good volume from there. 
you need to look at the length of the board because that's going to make a huge difference in how easy it is and how hard it is to ride. Because you can have 45 liter boards that are four feet long and you can have 45 liter boards that are five feet long. And there's a massive difference in how easy they are to ride. Um, I wouldn't go any shorter than like four, seven, you know, maybe four, six, but don't go shorter than that. Any shorter than that, it really becomes a lot harder than you start. So around that, you know, I'd say four, four, six, four, seven, up to about four, ten. That's probably the length that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And try to get an, uh, a board that's not a surf foil board or at least uh, a wide surf foil board. So if you're looking at the KT lineup, for example, just because I, I know it well, you basically have the Drifter Slim, which is the chrome foil board. And it's a little bit narrower and a little bit longer for a little bit less volume. They have the Drifter Full, which is a bit of a wider board and a tiny bit shorter, which is what I have as my smaller board. And then they'll have the Wing Drifter, which are the bigger boards, which are more similar to that Nash board that you have or the 70 liter probably that you have now. Um, so I think that, you know, medium outline, like the Drifter Full, which I think was actually consolidated into the wing drifter this year, if I'm not mistaken. Hey, Luke. Uh, I'm not sure actually. Can you I think I'm over. KT? Yeah, so KT surfing here. I'll put it in our chat here for you. Yeah, I think the 410 um, drifter full or it it, uh, like it's just wing drifter and then drifter wake. Yeah, okay, so the, the 410 Wing Drifter is what was the Drifter full last year, before, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that could be a really good option for you. Okay. So here or there's also the 48, which is 38 liters, a little bit smaller, but it should still be doable for you as well. I think Jesse said he had a bunch of these in stock, the 42s to 50s of the Drifters. Um, I think he said he had a few of these in this range here. Yeah. I, I, I got to say, I've tried a number of boards and that that Drifter full shape is awesome. Like really, really, really good. It's just so forgiving and it's so efficient through the water. Um, and, you know, nice concave deck. So you're, you know exactly where your feet are all the time. You have foot strap options if you want them. It really is a exceptionally good board, um, so I I would I would definitely recommend that board. How about the Jinsu or Drifter Slim? Oh, the Jinsu I rode this year. Um, I found that it railed very very well side to side. Um, it popped up. Now, I I didn't find much of a difference getting off the wind. I didn't find a huge difference. But the rail, I, I think I'm going to trade mine in next year. I'm going to trade the my Drifter for um, for Jinsu just because I love how it railed. It, it was a little bit more responsive, um, and that's pretty much the only reason I think I would I would transfer over. Everything was fairly comparable. If you're carrying the board to the beach, the Drifter is easier to carry because the weight's distributed from evenly from nose to tail. Where this other one, it was more nose heavy, so the noisier board would go down a little bit. 
Um, I heard some guys were complaining about the fact that you couldn't sit back on your board, but I'm light and I was on a 72 or a 70. So for me, I had no problems water starting it. It was no big deal whatsoever. Um, so it felt big though. It felt like a big board because it was heavier on the front. So maybe that's what I was feeling. It wasn't as light as the drifter, but it was just because it was more nose there. And I think that's what I picked up is it felt like a bigger board, but it wasn't. Yeah. I think it's also the construction on that board, making it heavier. It's a much more solid than the, uh, than the drifter pros. So it's going to last longer for sure, but it is a little bit heavier. I was going to see here if he had anything on there, but I don't think the drifter slim that you were asking about Brian is, um, really a surf foil specific shape and you'll see that they're longer and narrower and lower volume. Oh, uh, so yeah, I, I don't think that's a good compromise uh, for winging specifically because you just don't need that extra length per volume as much as the drifter slim is. If you were trying to prone, uh, so, you know, paddle into a wave with your hands prone foil then yeah sure that extra length is is definitely going to help you but for winging i think the uh the drifter full or which has become the smaller sizes of the wing drifter is really 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 a good uh compromise and that jinsu uh 4748 liter is probably a good option as well yeah that could be a good option for if you want to go smaller and lighter and then play off that tail uh which would be i think would be fine yeah, because yeah, yeah, the seventy two is a four ten, and, and and it fell, but I think it must have just been the weight, but the, the railing. It's it's the it's the width as well, right? Like the if it's four ten and seventy two liters, it must be quite wide. Yeah, uh, you can feel yeah. the width. You can actually really feel as well. But seriously, the that wing drifter shape, like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I keep coming back to it, but it it really was it's, kind of a eye-opening moment for me when i tried it for the first time it's just so easy and so forgiving like it's awesome how do you carry the board there's no groove on top of the board or bottom of the board yeah there's a groove uh there's a groove on the there isn't they're they're narrow um, enough so that you can just kind of hold it under your arm or oh, you can, um, carry it by holding the front wing of the foil Oh, the smaller ones are like that. You just carry it like a surfboard. Okay. But because of the foil, it's uh, it's kind of heavy, right? Not Not if you have an Armstrong foil. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Now you're convincing me to get down. There you go. That's the main difference. When you go to a small board, like I think with the Drifter version one, the blue one, it was 11 pounds or something. And then the, then the foil, like the whole kit must have been like 14, 15 pounds or something. It was unbelievable, like how light it was. And, and even now, because I'm writing the 72 in this one, it is still crazy light. Um, so when you're carrying your kit over a long distance, and this is something to consider, like if you're walking far enough with your kit, then it is very nice to have that compact, everything light. Um, and then you're, more, you're less likely to damage a wing because it's just everything is easier to maneuver. Yeah. That's, that's the same thing for shore break as well. If you're, walk, if yeah. you're trying oh, to get yeah. through a gnarly shore break, then everything being lighter. Hey, can you on the second picture? 
second picture, the lady was is uh, carrying the wing and the board. This one? Yeah. So, yeah, so that's the 72. That has a handle or whatever. Oh, but the, small, the smaller surf one doesn't. Oh, I see. Um, so that's the main difference, yeah. Okay. Basically, just to give you a bit of background on this, Brian, um, the there was the wing drifter lineup, which is the bigger sizes, and the new wing drifter um, range. And then there was the drifter full lineup, which is the smaller sizes in the new wing drifter range. And they kind of made hybrid sizes, which is the 72 and another one, uh, which was kind of a mix of the two shapes. Uh, and that came out this year. But the smaller sizes uh, and the bigger sizes are boards that already existed before. Yeah, so, yeah, stop right there, look. So if you look at the sizing, the uh 34 38 42 and 50 those yeah. were the drifter full boards the 80 90 105 115 and 130 were the old wing drifter boards and then they added the 160 as this year and the 56 52 and 72 uh, we're all at it so and you can really see actually i'm wondering if the 56 was a drifter full as well it might have been because you can see that the um the 62 and the 72 are considerably shorter and wider for their volume than the smaller boards after that i don't know if you noticed that but it's yeah. uh right so those are those crossover sizes so I think that once you drop down into those a little bit more narrow, relatively more drawn out shapes and either the 410 or the 48, that is are probably the two sizes that concern you the most. Um, that's, uh, that's probably kind of the sweet spot for the smaller boards. I think if you go with a 62 or the 72 uh, or even the 56, really, they're so wide that it ends up being, you know, not that big of a difference. So uh, even it's much more stable. Shorter length, but uh, wider, right? So much more stable. Not necessarily. So if you if you notice, you notice how the sixty two is the smallest size that they made in that compact shape, and then after that they go longer and narrower. Right. And the reason for that is that once you get under that four ten. Uh, or much under that 410, you lose a considerable amount of stability when your knee's starting. So that's why they tried to keep the boards a little bit longer and they went narrower instead once you get into the smaller sizes. And then until you get to the 34, which is just tiny, that's like a full singer board for basically everybody. And at that point, they're like, okay, well, if they're riding this board, then they're pretty advanced. It's fine. But everything else is staying relatively long so that you have more stability on your knees. When your knees starting. For leader, you cannot start with a knee on, on your knee, right? Which one? Well, with a 34 liter, you cannot uh, start on your knees. Yeah, you can. You can. Um, I, I haven't ridden it personally, but it, it's I'm sure it's possible to do it. Uh, yeah. It's just a lot harder. As I said, once you get under that, you know, four six, four seven, 
it really does become a lot harder. I've ridden a four foot board once uh, and it's possible to knee start, but man, is it ever a pain in the ass. It's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what is the difference uh, between the round and squash for the tail? The round and the squash tail? Yeah. Um, honestly, in foil boards, I think that there's other aspects of the shape that are more important than the round or the squash, to be completely honest with you. Um, in a surfboard, you know, it has a different effect, but basically if you, if you can keep the tail a little bit narrow, just like the, like in a surfboard, it makes the board more reactive, uh, and easier to turn. So, mm. and you can, you can fly lower without hitting the water and you can carve harder without hitting the water. So that's kind of the benefits of having a narrower tail. Uh, a wider tail obviously has more um, surface area in the back, more volume in the back, so that helps you get up on the foil maybe a little bit more. But the the nice thing about those, and this is why I, I like these, part of why I like those drifter full shapes or those smaller wing, new wing drifter shapes, is that they have just a really good um, relationship between length and width, and it makes it... And, and bottom shape plays into it as well, making it a really efficient board through the water, a really efficient shape that just wants to climb up on top of the water and accelerate and take off, as opposed to those more compact, fat, wide shapes that are less hydrodynamic and want to, you know, are less, are less wanting to uh, accelerate. They just, you know, they'll plane faster, but they're not quite as efficient through the water, if that makes sense. Do you guys use the uh, foot straps? I don't. Um, I, don't. I, I just like the surfing aspect of it. I've, I tried foot straps once. It was the it was the uh, the sixty liter board from Armstrong, and I felt awkward in them just because I had never used them. But I know a lot of my friends love it. But uh, I, I just like the strapless aspect where I can move my feet around, and if I fall, I don't have to worry about it, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that if you're on a small board um, with a relatively light board, light foil, then I'm not that worried about getting stuck in the foot straps. I was initially, um, but I, I had a while where I was, I just had a lot of flat water with a decent amount of wind and there wasn't really anything to surf. So I was like, okay, well, I'll put foot straps on and learn how to jump. Why not? Um, and it's fun. Um uh, I don't, I don't think if jumping is what you want to do, I think there's other sports that are better at it, but it is fun to jump wings for sure. And I think freestyle is a lot more accessible with winging than it is with basically on the other wing sport, uh, wind sport. So it's definitely worthwhile to try. Um, but having said that, I like Luke, I'm definitely more drawn to the surf aspect of it. So I generally don't use foot straps. I've been riding uh, my, my 70 liter with a foot strap on, only front, and it really saved, uh, saved me a, a lot of wipeouts. 
Really? Yeah, there's some people doing that. Um, especially that's a decent compromise is having just the front one, and that way when you touch down uh, and the board decelerates, you're less likely to fly off the front. Oh, we lost him. But Brian, keep in mind with that front foot and the strap, if if you get any kind of wipeout when you're starting to get into some, some surf and your your front wing comes out of the water and you have a very quick decelerated meaning that it stops dead and you fly you might not be able to get that foot out and you could torque the crap out of your knee ankle or hip i know i had some situation very close to twist my 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 ankle yeah and i, I i'm like ankle is one thing twist your knee twist your hip much different rehab for that so that's the only thing that i, I would say be careful for because mm. my brother was learning how to kite foil and he just used the front strap. And I think he twisted his knee super quick and he's like, screw this. And, and he used the hooks and then he went to strapless because he uh, he had a couple falls where they were rotational falls and he couldn't get his foot out of the strap. So mm. that's just one thing to keep in mind, but I'm, there's a lot of people that try it, but that's either two or none for me personally, but that's me. Okay. Yeah, I, I think there's some merit in what you're saying, Luke, for sure. I think the... Um, the worst thing I can imagine is falling and having only one foot strap, uh, one foot stuck in the straps. I'd much rather have two feet stuck in the straps than one. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's definitely people using that one front strap so that you can still move your back foot around and, and have a decent feel while having a little bit more security from that front strap. I do think if you get on a board that, um, bounces off the water a little bit better and it releases, uh, you know, kind of doesn't stop as much when you hit the water, it becomes less necessary, especially if you have a decent amount of, um, concave in the deck, your feet are so solid on the board. It's so planted on there that it's less necessary, but one yeah. thing actually, um, I noticed here because they did change their shape on the drifters. And they added a little, they added a little rail to it. And uh, sometimes my feet would go over and touch the rail. Now you're not going to see it here, I'm assuming, but you might be able to see it on Facebook because I think I, I took a front shot of my board. Um, and I can show that really quick. I find I like that little rail lip, which is pretty cool. This is on your 72, Luke? Yes, exactly. Yeah, they, they built in this little rail on it this year. Yeah, they, I think they probably sort of the smaller sizes had a pretty heavy concave in their deck. And I'm wondering if they just added more concave in the deck compared to uh, compared to the original Wind Drifter. This or is it actually a bump? Pretty flat. It's pretty flat. Um, and then right here on the edge, as soon as you see the, the deck pad end, it just comes up. It's like, it just comes up for a nice little rail. So mm -hmm. it, it's more recessed than it is concave. It is flat and I do like the flat deck. Um, I wasn't, I've rode the Fanatics and they had a kind of deck and I didn't like it as much. I like to be able to initiate my turn, my turns on my own accord personally. So I didn't like the fact that the board would almost do it for me. But uh, but other people like that. So like, this is the fun part about this. It's so you have so many variabilities that you can just choose whatever the heck you like, right? So 
Uh, yeah, I think that what it, it comes okay. down to in the end, as Lucas said, there's a lot of options, and at the level that you're at, you should try things and see what you like and see what you don't like. That's really going to be the best um, way for you to choose. Like, whereabouts are you, Brian? Pardon me? Whereabouts, where, whereabouts do you live? Well, part of, uh, say that again? Where do you live? Uh, I live in Montreal, Quebec. Okay, I'm not sure. Okay, because like I, I do, I will have the 72 liter available in Ottawa. Um, probably it's still in BC, and I have to fly back and then drive out with a probably a new vehicle. But um, I have I have the 72 liter, which you could always try for fun, and the 1550 V1 Armstrong, just to get a feel of it. I know it's a bit bigger, but you could still just get a little feel of that new setup before you did buy something. Okay. Um, so it's not too too far. You could always do that. Um, or if there's ever a nice day at Champlain or something, that could always be an option to go check that you out. Plasper day? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Plasper. Oh, yeah, Plasper would be a decent little spot. But yeah, so, or if you're interested, I could always get you a price on a smaller one from Jesse because he has some of these, the, the 40 liters or the 50 liters. Okay. I could always get a price off one of those if you want, uh, just to see what it would be like to get shipped, um, shipped to Montreal. Well, I like yeah. to try first yours maybe. Yeah. yeah, it's a yeah. seventy-two. It's I really 72. like the design with like a concave, so I don't really have to use the foot strap. I can place my foot, and once I touch the edge, I know this is the end, right? Exactly. That's what I liked about it. It was kind of cool. Because as soon as you got to the edge, if, if I would normally ride my front foot kind of off to the side a little bit, and then my back foot would be more in the center where all the screw holes are. Yeah. I didn't really ever need to move my foot too much over to the side to initiate my turns because it, it, I didn't really need to. But, um, but yeah, it is nice sometimes when I'm moving around, if I'm fumbling, you, your feet do hit that rail, which is super nice. And the <laughs> once, when you start on your knees, you can just grab the edge, right? Yeah, yeah. So sometimes, like when I was in the ocean so yesterday, when I was in the ocean yesterday, the day before there, there's some bigger swell. So then, yeah, like I would hold the center handle of my wing and kind of hold that and then hold the rail and kind of get myself before I was getting and going. So that was, it, it does help a little bit. I find using your, your wing as a third leg is pretty useful. Um, I don't even, sometimes I'll put a hand like up near the screw holes in the front here on the, on the deck and hold the wing, but the wing definitely helps if you can kind of stabilize yourself with that. Mm. You should, uh, since you're in Montreal, you should try to look up Kite Force. Uh, I don't know if they're still selling KT and Quattro boards or not, but they were um, a year or two ago and they might have a demo that you could try. Uh, the owner, R2, he doesn't sell KT. Oh, they stopped selling KT. Okay. Okay. Mm. They they were before. That's why I was wondering. Uh, otherwise, there's also Turad, uh, where I used to work, actually. And I don't know what he has in stock in terms of demos or not. But um, we, yeah, that you should see with, with Bruno what uh, if he's got a demo that you might be able to try. Or when you go to Sandbank, can I come and see you? Try it? Yeah, that could work too. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be going to Sandbanks this fall. 
Um, so definitely I could, I'll be bringing all my stuff. So you could definitely, we could always try it on, on Westlake or you could try it at, uh, at Sandbanks, um, there too as well. Okay. Brian, are you, I, I don't think you are, but there's a Facebook chat called, um, wing mania. And it's basically a bunch of people from Quebec and, uh, Toronto and Ottawa that are all that a lot of them go to sandbanks and stuff like that it might be worthwhile for you to hop on there there's a lot of of um decent riders and good riders there and you might be able to try somebody's gear or get some more advice as well oh yeah we in Maniac? yeah we can uh, are, you, are you facebook friends with luke or with me not with me i don't think but with luke maybe luke or who uh, Luke that's hosting this. <laughs> here, let me send you. Um, what's your What's your last name, Brian? Park. Or here, I'll show you on Facebook. Here, I'll show you what my profile looks like. Yeah. So, if you look up, if you look up Luke Moore, oh Luke Moore, okay. And then you see that picture. Yeah. That's me, and you can just add me as a friend, and then we can connect you. Okay. Sure. I got some interesting people following me here. I'm not sure who that person is, but I don't think she's my friend. <laughs> some weird stuff. But anyways. Um, <laughs> these random people. Anyways, but it is getting late here on the East Coast. I flew back yesterday. So okay. I should uh, I should get up, get going there because I got to get up early for work. But, um, but thanks a lot, Tom. And thanks a lot, Brian, for joining us. And great chat. Um, and absolutely add me to Facebook. I'll send you some details and then we can stay in touch. I'll also add you to that wing foil chat as well with all our other buddies. So you mm -hmm. can ask some questions in there. Cause a lot of guys, um, they, they love to talk gear as well. So that's somewhere where you could do. And then we could get you set up on my 72, the Armstrong and try that out and see how you like it. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for the yeah. information. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for joining us. What are you doing tomorrow, Tom? Uh, more sounding, probably. <laughs> cool. That works. That works. Yeah. Hey, guys. Well, hey, thanks a lot. Enjoy your night. Thanks a lot, guys. Good night. 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 Good night.